Hey, we're going. Started off with a story, Toby. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is the story. Uh, for those just tuning in, we we so neither one of us realized that I had already been on this podcast. <laughs> Something like seven years ago. Wow. And I was talking to somebody and they brought up your podcast. And I said, Oh, I'm gonna go on that. And they said, You were already on it. I was listening to it. And I was like, well, shit, I better listen to the podcast so I don't say the same stuff I said seven years ago, right? <laughs> and it's it's a funny thing. I don't know if you listen to your podcasts after you do them, but... Occasionally. Not all the time. Listen to yourself, right? So I was... Um, this kid, Mike Babbitt, is from Maine. He's a filmer, and he makes videos. Sick dude, and like... Um, wanted to try to get a clip for me of me for his video um which i was super excited about that it, i'm even on his radar you know but uh so i was listening to the podcast on the way down to meet him and on the way back and on the podcast seven years ago i was talking to you about how like filming a street clip or going street skating like was just like not even an option and like not going to happen under any circumstances at all and it was like really funny listening to myself say that while I'm like on the way back from filming a clip. Classic. It's very interesting how things can change. You know what I mean? In, in, in a, in a period of time. And I, listening to that podcast was really cool. Cause it was a little like snapshot of my life. You know, my son was like 18 months old. He's nine now. You know what I mean? Uh, and I have a, I have, a, I have another son who's just turned six so i mean a lot can change man and you're expecting right yeah yeah dude um any day now we're uh we're due pretty much any day now so yeah a lot has changed man that's so crazy <laughs> and it's your your first kid yeah first kid man my and uh her... yep my lady never really wanted kids she just was kind of she just was always dead set on like i did she didn't want kids you know and then um she learned how to grow plants and then all of a sudden our house just had so many plants because she got good at that and then um slowly her heart changed and she was down i was kind of like give or take like i always thought it'd be amazing but i also understand it's a lot of responsibility and like i know how wrong it can go you know <laughs> so it always kind of scared me but um once she was down i was down man because you had kind of a gnarly upbringing am i right about that Oh yeah, my dad passed away when I was 12 and my mom pretty much had a substance abuse her whole life until she passed away um, maybe five or five or six years ago. So that definitely put the fear of God in me where I was like, oh man, like this whole thing could go wrong. Because I, I realized like everything's heightened when you have a kid, you know, especially if things are going bad, they get worse when you have the pressure of like kids, you know, it can just bury you deeper. Not to yeah. everyone, but it definitely can, you know? Like, that's what I watched with my mom a lot, was, like, she had her own personal issues and demons she was fighting, and then with kids, it just, like, added this level that was, like, made it almost unmanageable, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was always, yeah. like, kind of scared. <laughs> Which is one end of that spectrum, right? Yeah, truth, yeah. And, and interesting that... Like for you, I mean, I, I think, and I don't want to speak for you, but like, I think the concept behind all I need 
is really sort of like that skateboarding was like your escape from that family thing. And your family really came through skateboarding because it was rough at home. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It was kind of the thing that saved me from, uh, cause I was kind of suicidal. I mean, not kind of, I was definitely suicidal and like depressed on life and just like, cause I was always an optimistic kid, but like the things just to keep happening and it just like weighs heavy on you. And when you're really, I was like high and low, you know, I'd be super high all the time. And then when I got low, I got super low, but skating kind of balanced all that out for me. So it definitely yeah. filled in the gaps. It gave me something to focus on besides the negative, you know, what yeah, about, I think that it's really interesting because there's who you are as a person who I, I'm just I'm just like assuming is the more like the positive end. And then there's that reality that keeps kind of like hammering you down. You know what I mean? That's really, really interesting. Cause I mean, I I I mean, I I grew up in a like very, very stable home. I I I I have no trauma in my history at all. I was having that conversation with somebody the other day. I'm like, no, I literally have nothing that anyone should ever feel bad about. You know what I mean? And it's so interesting that like some people can take, you know, trauma and turn that into a reason for sucking. And some people take trauma and turn it into a reason for being like really awesome. You know what I mean? And I think that's, you know, shitty situations can happen to anybody, but like who you are as a person is where is what's going to come into play in terms of what you can do with it. And you're like a really, really cool example. And I, I, I'm in your corner, dude. I love watching you and like, just sort of like the fact that this is like the 422nd podcast that you're doing, like, dude, say on about Anthony Shetler. No one is going to say that you don't know how to fucking work hard and have grit. You know what I mean? And, and to me, and in my upbringing, like the way I grew up. And like I said, I, I have such a wonderful family. I almost feel guilty about it. You know, um, the value that I was taught growing up was, was hard work. You know what I mean? So like, I just always have, I can, I can recognize that, you know, when I see somebody who's like got that grit and that determination and somebody who can like kind of pull themselves up, you know, that's really, really cool, man. That's something to be proud of. Hell yeah. I appreciate that, Toby. And same dude, like it's crazy how it works. Like some people that come from those good families, it's easier to take it for granted. So it's, it's rad that you, uh, you know, you didn't just fall back on, you know, everything's going to be taken care of for me or you would be, end up being spoiled or whatever like that can go just as wrong like at least for my situation I was already at the bottom so like I knew if I worked hard and like went at it I was like the only way to go is up you know like if I just hold the line and keep going a lot there was a lot of times in my life where I just like had that moment where the bottom fell out and I definitely just like got angry about it and just uh didn't let it drown me I used that anger you know and um, I don't know, you know, it's just the roll of the dice. My dad was like, I, I'm bred from um, savages. My dad was in a motorcycle gang and just like, he is a savage. And then my mom married him, you know, and had, my mom had five kids, three different men. My dad did the same thing on his side. So they were just running wild, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're both awesome. And like, I would never change anything about my life. Cause I feel like it's definitely given me the ability to like survive and know that I'll be okay. And that I got to work hard. And I have a lot of gratitude. Like sometimes I can, I can cry just being so happy, like thinking about things. And I'm just like, I, I do that a lot, <laughs> especially like with a kid coming too. It's just like, I feel 
really, really grateful for where I'm at, you know? And I know like I've seen people come from the opposite end of that and lose everything because they didn't, they didn't have to work for it or they took it for granted. They had good families and then they were just fucking dicks to their parents and shit like that. And uh, so it's not always where you start, you know? You never know. Yeah, I guess we've all known people that were like doomed from the beginning and never going to claw out of it. And also people who are like, you know, the full silver spoon thing that blew it the best that they could, right? We've seen both ends of that. And I guess I had a friend, I think I was maybe like mid-30s, early 30s. Um, and I had a friend talking about kids and she had had kids like tons of not super young, but like young, younger than me. I was 29 probably and had no kids. And she said, and I, I was like, you know, I don't know if I really want kids. You know, it just seems like a lot of, you know, I'm just trying to like look after myself right now. And she was like, no, you have a responsibility to have kids because you have the ability to be a good parent. And there are plenty of people having kids that probably shouldn't. And they're creating kids that, that have the odds stacked against them. And the world needs kids who are going to be able to, make a better world for the rest of us. And I, and I never in my life considered having children as like a, a social responsibility, like a thing you should do as a, as like a, a citizen or like member of society. But that really stuck with me, man. And I, and I, you know, now raising my kids, um, six and nine, I think I probably think about that more than anything. They're like, I'm raising kids that are going to come from like, pretty affluent backgrounds. You know what I mean? My kids are going to be pretty well taken care of. Their colleges are paid for right now already. We're very, very lucky. You know what I mean? And it's really probably easy to raise a kid who's kind of a prick. You know what I mean? Just, and I'm very aware of that. I, I mean, I mean, I, I came from a great family. I didn't come from a family that had a ton of money. I came from a small business family. My parents worked incredible hours, six and seven days a week. And, and, and what I saw was, was our family kind of like level up, you know what I mean? Um, so I saw this sort of like firsthand, like the struggle and what hard work can do for you. You know what I mean? I didn't have any motivation of like, Oh, my parents are blowing it. So I need to like break the cycle or whatever. But I saw was my parents like working hard and enjoying the fruits of that labor and being able to do more for us as kids. And now as somebody doesn't have to do that i hate to it's weird to say but it's just the facts um and not that we're like tremendously wealthy or anything like that but like my kids go to private school like they're they're fine and you know that we have we have a house that we own without a mortgage you know we're very lucky to be where we are but that puts a tremendous amount of stress on me as a person like i don't want to raise kids who are like rich assholes I want to raise good kids. You know what I mean? I want to raise the kind of kids who, you know, understand the value of hard work and, and understand what it's like to sort of like not be blessed with everything from day one, you know? And in some ways I say that's harder because my gosh, my kids are so freaking lucky. Right. But that's a new challenge, right? When you raise the, when you raise a kid with all, all of the benefits of money, how do you make your kid still be a good person? It's a different challenge, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like you almost got to get them into something that's like voluntary struggle, like things that they'll enjoy, but is like a test of their character and makes them struggle, like skateboarding or like some sort of jujitsu or something physical where they're really tested, you know? And it's like, 
because that'll at least give them give them some appreciation you know like I, I don't know I, there's got to be something you could do because um you can't just be comfortable all your all your life it's like not good for you i don't think <laughs> one thing i one thing i learned in business um you know i was i moved back to maine in 2009 i bought my parents glass company from them glass is like commercial glazing so doors and windows and a reasonable size company that time um probably like 10 or 15 maybe employees or something like that um and one thing i one thing i learned in construction is that like when you're managing a crew you know you see them in the morning you send them out to do the job or whatever what do you ask them about at the end of the day what you talk to them about is what they deliver so if you get a crew and they're working on a 500 window job and they come home at the end of the day and you say how many windows did you do and they say 10 oh all right the next day when you ask them the same question if they say 12, you're going to be happy. So what you're, what you're rewarding there just by talking about it, just by it being the conversation is speed, right? So their goal, what they're going to, what they're going to work towards and not for any other reason, you know, there's a power dynamic there. Like you're the boss, you know, whether they like you or not, you know, but what you're talking about is speed. So what they, what they're going to give you is speed. Now, if you talk to them about quality, they're going to give you quality, right? So their motivation, when you might find you motivate these guys to, for speed, you might find they get to a point they're putting in 20 windows a day, but not a single one of them are done, right? Because they want to come home and say 20, you know, because 10 was okay and 12 was better. So 20 is great, right? So with my kids, I, what I talk about is I talk about them, you know, when I drop them off for school in the morning, I say, have a great day, boys. Like, be kind and work hard. Because I think if my boys are kind and work hard, the world's going to be okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because kids kids in the position that my kids are going to be in, that's what we need them to be, right? We need them to understand the value of hard work, whether it's whether it's them appreciating it because they're doing it or appreciating it because maybe like they find themselves in a leadership role and they've got employees, you know? Hard work is, a, is, is to me, a, 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 you know, a pinnacle of success. And if you're going to be lazy and be on the golf course or whatever, not that you can't be hardworking and play golf, but... Um, to me, hard work and kindness are the kind of like pillars of, of being a good person. And, and, and whatever, wherever you land on the, on the money scale is sort of secondary to that, you know? So I, 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 that's, that's the way I approach parenting with my wife. I, I feel like it's probably like pretty intentional the way we look at it, but um, I, I take it really, really seriously. I think we're raising like, I mean, we're all, everybody raising kids, my kid's age is raising the next people to run the country whatever that means, you know? So when my kids are questions about what's going on in Israel right now, or they're asking questions about the election that's coming in November and they're six and nine, but they ask questions like that. I'm always like really, really careful about the answer I give them. I want them to be able to like take information and, and, and process it with, with not just their own interests in mind, but also like the greater good, you know, I think that's important. Totally, man. Um, and that's awesome. Communication is huge, I imagine, with kids. Like, even when I was going through all that stuff, the people that took the time to explain things to me really helped me out a lot. And hard work and being kind are the two things that saved my life, for real, because I worked my ass off just to stay above, like, the sinking line. And then, luckily, I was nice to people because I knew what it felt like 
to like ha be at a disadvantage. So I never really wanted to be a dick to anyone. And I've met so many, so many awesome people because, you know, may maybe if I was like um, from a better circumstance, I might have been a dick to them or whatever. And but I was just kind to like everyone because I I I grew up where like I had to rely on other people all the time. Yeah. Like I I lived with other families. I the state took us in a bunch. So like. I just always had to be kind of nice to people because they were always helping me out as a little kid. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I was saying thank you and appreciative and all that stuff. And that that's created so many opportunities. And then hard work. I love where we live. I know no country's perfect and no place is perfect, but I'll tell you right now, dude, if you work your ass off, man, you can work your way out of poverty, especially here, you know, in this, in America at least. Um, but you know, that you gotta be sane. The hard part is staying sane here, you know, is like, you gotta yeah. like, especially if you have problems, it's like you, we live in the freest, freest place in the world. So that means people have the freedom to poison you, the freedom to trap you in debt. Like there, there's so many pitfalls set up to take advantage of people, you know, like that yeah. if you're not smart and you're having a bad day, you could fall into one of these things and then you might not have any help, you know, especially if your family structure's fucked, you know, but I agree, dude, we need healthy, happy, hardworking, kind people and a good family is amazing. Like I love when people have good families and they, I, it's like, I'm in awe of people with moms and dads and like that keep it together. And I'm like, that's so hard to do. Like, how, you know, you have to first understand yourself and then you got to get along with these people and you got to hold that thing together. And it's no easy task, man, especially in this day and age where like, you know, like everything's changing so fast. It's insane, man. The wars well, you know, and pandemics and whew, <laughs> politics. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to see how you tackle parenting because it's in some ways it's really special because you know you've already beaten a bunch of odds right just to be here and like doing what you're doing and like you know you've already broken a cycle right and you're kind of getting this opportunity sort of to like level up your entire kind of like family lineage with this child you know what i mean and you have the opportunity right now to like right some wrongs that were that that were done to you and, and, and take, you know, cause like, uh, despite adversity, what uh, the things you've went through as a kid, you've come out the other end, like a fully functioning, successful dude, right? Now your kid is going to start with advantages that you never had. Right. So your kid, you like, that's the best, you know, a thousand years from now when nothing in the world that you ever did mattered, the thing that's going to matter is that, is that what you've passed to your children that they've passed to theirs. You know what I mean? And you, yeah. you like, that's such a special thing, you know? And I, I think, you know, my dad grew up kind of rough, you know what I mean? And, and really sort of like pulled himself out of that and, and uh, was able to give us a, like a great, the kids in my family, like a great life and a lot of opportunities that he didn't have, you know? And now you're going to be able to do that for your family. That's such a, like, it's such a cool thing, man. And, and I think, and they ever all the cliches they say about parenting is true right and i don't i'm not trying to give unsolicited parenting advice here but no but please end, do please do <laughs> dude it's that being a parent is the best thing that's ever happened to me like those kids are the funnest thing they've been the most challenging thing and they're at an age right now where they're my best friends they're like the people i want to hang out 
than anything. They're the, they're the, they're the people whose opinion matters to me the most. You know what I mean? And they're still mine. Like we, I still mold them every day. I know that what I say to them and the way that I treat them is the way that they're going to treat their spouses and kids. And, you know, if they're in business, their employees or, or their coworkers or whatever, like I know that I, you never in your life. And as a pro skater, like you've had a ton of influence over a ton of people, right? And they've learned this or, or practiced that because of you. And you've had these conversations with kids that have made them do this or that, you know? but you never have the control over a person's future that you have as a parent. And it's like, it's on you, dude. If your kid sucks, it's a hundred percent your fault. And if your kid's awesome, congratulations, you got to play a part in that. You know what I mean? And I think I see that even at all, at all levels, whether it's like any, at any level in, in life, whether it's you're a young parent or an older parent or affluent or, or struggling or whatever, the people that take responsibility for the outcome of how their kid winds up have friggin' awesome kids. And the parents who are kind of like, Oh, get a load of this guy. Look how weird my kid is. Look at this thing he does. Isn't that weird? You know, they have terrible kids, you know? So like the way you grab a hold of your own life and you shape it into what you want it, you can do that to your own kid. And it's your job, you know, like they're looking at you for everything. So you give them the right examples. You, you, you hold them, you know, to a higher standard and they're going to be wonderful people. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like your job and your legacy. And in some ways, as hard as you've worked and as much as you've accomplished, the only thing that you're going to matter, the only thing that's going to carry on past you is whatever you instill in your child. You know, it's cool, man. It's yeah. special. I feel, I feel uh, honored. I feel like grateful that I've had the situation that it actually happened i was like really scared at first but now i'm just past that and i'm really excited to be a father and like you said man i we're having a boy and then initially i was like really excited on the concept of a girl but i mean i was like oh, a child's a child like i'm just stoked but then i yeah. thar- started thinking about it i was like oh dude that boy's gonna be 12 one day and that's when i lost my father and god willing and hopefully i'll still be there in his life at 12 right when i needed my dad you know like 12 you're going into puberty and all this stuff and that's when I lost my father. So like, I never really had that influence, you know, until I met like Steve Rodriguez from Fibro and he kind of like became like a surrogate father to me. But like, yeah. I missed out on like a lot of the things that I, hopefully I'll be able to be there for him and explain to him and talk him, talk him through it, you know? And my lady's super solid. Like she has a crazy work ethic and we both work on ourselves a lot, you know, like I'm, I'm well aware that like, uh, uh, I'm responsible for my life. Like what I think and what I say is my responsibility. And I know the weight of my words and my thoughts and how they can go wrong or go so right, you know, and how m- I'm aware that an individual has influence in this life for good or bad. My mom was running wild. She was a powerful creature. She just didn't recognize. She wasn't self-aware that like, or maybe she was and it haunted her, but she just did a lot of reckless stuff that impact the world around her. And she was powerful. It was like Lisa was a powerful person, but she was out of control. If only she could have harnessed it, you know, like the empire she could have built, you know. But it, it's just like uh, it's you got to look within and work on yourself a lot, man, you know, because especially if you're going to bring a kid in the world, you got to definitely got to work on yourself. And I, I've been working on myself since I was a little kid. When I was like when I was like 15, I felt like I was an old man. I always vibed with old people. I still do. I just like older people. There's like a peace and calm to them. 
and like rationality that I just really enjoy. And I've kind of been um, prepping myself because I do a lot of, I did a lot of skate lessons for years and I just have all these little kids that I take on trips now. They're not really skate lessons anymore. They're just like my flow team. And we just, I bought a van just for them to go on skate trips and we just been going all over the place. So, and their parents trust me and it's like, it's been like a test to like figure out how to communicate with these <laughs> 10 year they're like the long, youngest was elijah who's 10 up to like 16 17 just learning to communicate and watch them change and grow and trying to figure out how to be like a parental figure but also a friend and like it's so complex but it's awesome it's so fun to try and do you know <laughs> and, and you're you're enjoying that wait until you have that blood connection Oh, I know, dude. I can't imagine it. I'm already, I'm still like tripping on it. <laughs> yeah. The, um, there's so many cliches about it, right? But yeah, there's nothing like holding your son in for the first time. There's just, that's, it'll, it'll, as prepared as you are and as aware of how special it is you are, you know, you're at the time in your life that you're ready for it. You know what I mean? And like, there's just nothing, there's no more life-changing moment than that. And it, and it changes everything. You know, I, I look at myself right now, I'm 44 and we had, uh, Xavier when I was 35, my, my oldest, right. And I'm in better physical shape and I'm in better shape right now, at 44 than I was at 35. And it's mostly, you know, just at the age right now he wants to like throw a baseball around he wants to do this and he wants to do that and like dude there's nothing on god's green earth that's going to prevent me from doing that stuff with him you know what i mean i'm going to be as fit as i can be i'm going to be rolling i'm going to be diving for ground balls whatever you know like i want i want to be there and i want to enjoy that and I've, I've changed every single thing every aspect of my life to make sure that i'm able to do that and and i look at my parents my dad's 77 my mom is 74 three or 74 they're old people and i look at the youth and that they have and the way they're able to like move and talk and act and how with it they are at their like past the average life expense expectancy of somebody and if you saw them you'd guess they were in their like mid 60s you know what i mean and so much of it is because their lives revolve around you know they they first of all are duty driven people you know they work hard even though that they could and probably should be retired and their lives revolve around these kids. You know, they've got, they've got four grandkids and they take them overnight every Friday and they spend all day Saturday with them. And, you know, I just, saw, I saw my dad yesterday and I said, how are you doing? He's like, man, I'm just looking forward to the weekend, you know, at 77 years old. Like what my dad is looking forward to is like getting down on his hands and knees and playing in the dirt with my nine-year-old, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's a reason to keep moving you know? and, and, and a reason to like, that's sort of like my second coming in life as sort of like, getting old and bored and like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm out of my prime. I guess it's all over. And then just being like, nah, you know what? I got a, I've got a new goal. I've got a new reason to be plugged in and active and, 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 and available, you know? Yeah. That's, that's really, that's the key to life is to keep expanding yourself, which makes complete sense. But like uh, people box themselves in, you know, cause like, you know, you, we all know the dude is stuck in high school, but the high school quarterback guy is like, that was his glory day, glory days. He never expanded himself. There's so many role, roles you could take, you know, you could be a son, you could be a father, you could be a grandfather, you know, there's so many different roles. If you're willing to take on the responsibility of it and work for those things that you can expand yourself infinitely until you're gone, you know, the world is endless. 
it's crazy, man. Yeah, so, so many roles. A hundred percent. Yeah, and so, you're about to the fuck the the best one, man. Uh, I'm so, you know, honestly, yeah. Really happy. Thank it's, you. Yeah, thank you so much, man. I'm really uh I'm really excited. I'm at the point now where I'm just like, I want him to be here because like I worked through all the emotions and now it's just excitement. So and my lady's like, she's so she's ready to go. <laughs> she's like bursting. <laughs> she's getting well, to that, the end of the labor, you know. <laughs> Well, that's the way it goes, right? Because at the beginning, like, you know, your girl gets pregnant and you're terrified and she's terrified, right? And then by the time the nine months goes by, you're kind of like, all right, let's get this over with, you know? If, if the gestation period was three months, there'd be a lot more panicked parents, you know? So Get used to the idea. It's crazy how many cool people are out there too, man. Like, literally, we have, we've had like three baby showers and we have so much stuff, man. It's insane. It's like... It's amazing how cool people are and how generous and giving people are, especially it's amazing that people honor, like they love kids, you know, like it's cool. Cause I'm always, I always listen to these things and it's like, oh, we're going to have a population problem. Like I've heard that for a long time, like we're going to have too many people. And then I heard we're not going to have enough people, you know, but yeah. just seeing how people react when they know that you're going to have a kid is like, gives me faith in humans, you know, it's like, regardless of all the fucking news and all the bullshit i'm like people still care you know on some level <laughs> and, and when you hold that little boy in your arms for the first time and your whole mindset just like switches you're gonna be the same dude yeah you know what i mean like my friends had kids i couldn't probably give two shits about it half the time you know what i mean and then you have your own you're like oh wow this is like a this is like a life-changing thing you know I definitely, I definitely look at it like it's like going to be the, the greatest thing I've ever been a part of for sure. Like there's nothing bigger than creating life, you know, and trying to manage it and not fuck it up for sure. So like, I just, uh, and I'm anticipating like, I don't know that feeling you're describing, like I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really hoping it's, uh, it's there, you know, like can't wait. <laughs> The only thing you should remember, this is my only, okay, we'll get off the kid thing, but this is my parents' advice for you. When you have your first kid, you have this tendency of thinking like that every moment that you're in is like the new way that everything's going to be. And it's so like devastating when your kid has like a terrible night's sleep, you know, and you're just like, oh, this is our life now. We don't sleep anymore, you know, or they you bring them out in public and they're like screaming or so, you know, whatever, whatever like is that moment is. But the only thing about kids that say the same is that they change all the time. And it's always going to be a new challenge. Like they're always going to keep you on your toes, but there's always going to be like a new reward, you know? And so when you're at that moment, you're like, I don't know if we can do this. It's like the weather in new England, man. <laughs> Just wait, you know? Totally. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk to you like a year from now and you're going to be like, dude, remember when you told me that thing? I Thank God you told me that because I was going to strangle myself and my child and my wife. And you know, <laughs> because you get to that, you get in those moments, you know, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, as like, as a, as a father of kids who screw it, feed themselves and wipe their own butts. Um, yeah. We got new challenges but we have like new rewards all the time too. And it just keeps getting better. Like I, I, I can honestly say, like I was joking with my wife today, we had parent teacher conferences 
And uh, I was joking with her that I was like, you'd just be perfectly happy if they would just stay this age forever, wouldn't you? And she's like, yeah, I, I totally would. You know, you're not going to feel like that when you got like a, you know, 90 day old kid who can't sleep for 30 minutes without screaming. <laughs> you know, yeah, man. But it's better. Everything gets better. Hell yeah. I appreciate that. That That's the best advice I've gotten so far. So, and uh, I'm going to remember that one for sure. When it gets tough. That's just today. Tomorrow that could could sleep all night. Be yeah. saying that's like old, but you know. Hell yeah, dude. My my lady loves our dogs so much, so I can't even imagine how she's gonna be with our kid. Like, our dogs are basically like her babies, but I just know it's gonna be another level more with the kid, you know. So like, she brushes my dog's teeth every night. Like, she's just like, <laughs> she's so serious about my dogs. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Sorry, I'm messing with my phone right now. Nah, It'll fine. be interesting to see if the dogs take second fiddle to the kid, or or if you just have a, another dog. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she's not gonna let that happen, but maybe because people have been telling her that, and she's like, I don't know. I'm like, uh, I think so. This kid's gonna take all your attention. Like, our dog Elwood is getting up there too. He's like 15, 16, long-haired wiener dog. So. He actually just had a seizure, his first one, uh, yeah, like two weeks ago, which was so gnarly. That scared the shit out of us. All the emotions of, like, my lady being pregnant and having a kid coming and then Elwood. And, but he's doing a lot better now, so that's amazing. But it's just a clicking, uh, ticking clock at this point. So, But he's, right. he's, he's still horny. He's still eating. He's still walking. So hopefully he rides it out so he can meet uh, Wilder, and then they can hang out together. So... That'll be cool, man. How's uh? Let's talk skateboarding. What have you been up to? I saw you were skating with Westgate, man, and some park. Were you in Maine? Yeah, yeah. So I live in Maine. I live in Augusta, which is the capital. Uh, were, you, were you from there? Uh, yeah, more or less. Um, I I grew up in a town called Fairfield, and then I moved to a town called Reedfield. So I've been within like twenty miles of here, uh, other than the decade or so I moved away. Um. So I moved back to Maine in 2008 to take over my parents' class company. And I've been in Augusta since 2008. So 15 years here. And I uh, took that company over. We've been pretty successful. We've done pretty, we did pretty well. Um, it got to be a little bit like more than I could manage. Uh, I guess during COVID or like a little bit after. Um, just, it was growing fast we were doing a good job and so we were growing and then i had a lot of other irons in the fire I, I, you know i own a brewery and um opened a couple other restaurants and really enjoying that stuff and I, I think like you know when your work doesn't give you purpose you have a tendency to look for purpose outside of work and so i think a lot of a lot of my efforts were just sort of like being in a town I wasn't super hyped on. And I was like, you know, this town could use a skate park. So I go to work on the skate park and we should have a brewery. So now I own a brewery and then, you know, and you just kind of like take it on. And I think in your, especially if you're having success, your thirties, you kind of like do more and more and more and more like buying apartment buildings and doing all this stuff. And then, um, uh, I kind of got to a point where I was like, realized that I was sort of like planning for my own death. Um, 
like I we I paid off all of our mortgages and I had paid for my kids' college, both of them, and we built a house and we paid cash for it. We like the vehicles we bought, we paid cash for, it. and I realized like you know a lot of people when they start having success and they get a little bit of money, you know, it's like they 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 buy like a really fancy car or like a really fancy house, you know what I mean? And not that we don't have nice things, but uh, my mindset was more about like getting things completed, like making sure my wife had a home to raise our kids in and a safe car to drive them in, things like that. And I kind of realized I was, you know, I, I sort of over a period of a couple of years, I, I sort of like made myself a little bit redundant by, by making those kind of financial decisions. Um, meaning like if I just disappeared, like everything would be fine. Like my kids, but everything would be fine in terms of like, like finances and things like that. And I was like, man, I, I, I sort of accidentally made it so I don't have to work anymore. Like I don't really have to, I don't have to do this. You know, I feel like this thing I'm doing is going to kill me. And so I'm setting myself up. I'm setting my family up. So, you know, when I, my heart explodes in my chest or whatever, I can, like, they'll be okay. And I've kind of like done that. And I kind of found myself in a situation where I was like, I don't really know what to do now, but I tell you what I don't want to do. I don't want to do this job. That's like kind of killing me. Um, and I don't want to like, I don't want to make that sound like a negative thing because it was a great company and it's great people. And it's a tremendous opportunity for the people that, that bought it from me. Uh, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't my place. And I think sometimes you can be successful in a place because you absolutely belong there and that's your people. And that's like where you should be. And I think sometimes you can be successful somewhere because you don't belong there and you're bringing skills and ideas and, and, and work ethics or whatever, like traits that, that, that industry doesn't have. And at the end of the day, I was very much in construction of a, a square peg in a round hole. Like I just didn't belong there. I was in construction for 15 years. The only friends I made in construction were friends I made outside construction that I brought into construction, you know? in like five years of owning a brewery, like as a like passion project, side project, I have like really, really good friends that I met in beer that similar to skateboarding. We're like, we go on vacations together and like our kids hang out and things like that, you know? So, uh, long story short, um, I kind of got myself to a point where I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to sell this company or I'm going to, or I'm going to, uh, close it. And, um, we went through the whole thing. We had a value. We had these like business brokers. And uh, at the end of the day, my sister, who's a, a, was a minority owner of the company, kind of was not ready to give it up. And so she put a group of people together, her and two other project managers. One was a current employee and one an old employee. And, and they essentially bought my my shares out. And and so at 44, I, I retired uh, essentially sort of like um luckily like the company had a, a, a really good value and because i'd been pulling money to kind of set myself up i i didn't need a lot so we were able to give them like a, a really good deal where they can make make a lot of money and kind of enjoy some of the, the benefits of ownership because it is a hard job you know um and also i was able to like pull some a reasonable amount of money out so so at 44 i kind of like I feel like I got a little bit of like an, an extra, like a re-up on life. And, um, and it's kind of weird because I, I, I never really had a plan for my life beyond skateboarding. And then I sort of like in 2008, kind of like closed the door on skateboarding and was like, okay, it's time to, to catch up and like be a real person and 
you know, raise kids and make money and, and do that kind of stuff. And then, um, 15 years of that. And I was kind of able to, um, just kind of get another do over, you know? And I, and, and so right now, um, I sold the place in May and, um, of last year. And my last day was January 1st or December 31st. And then, so now I've been 10 months, um, outside going from that job and working, um, I decided that I, I wanted to, I don't, didn't want to like retire, retire, right. I'm like 44. Like I'm, it's not time to just sit around and do nothing. Right. That'll send uh, you to an early grave too. <laughs> totally good. And it doesn't really work with my work ethic to just sit around. So I, I went to work full-time for the brewery that I, that I started with a couple of my friends, um, will be six years old on Halloween. Um, but I was very clear with those guys. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to get back to 60 or 70 hours a week. I don't want this to be a stress. I'm feeling 10 pounds lighter than I did when I was in construction. And I'm not trying to go backwards. I want to like, you know, I'm only going to get, these are my only kids. This is the only kids I'm going to have. I want to be able to be there for them. I want to be able to drop them off from school. I want to be able to pick them up if that's what needs to happen. And, and I really want to be able to be present, not just physically, but also mentally. So, um, essentially now I'm kind of, I'm doing sales for the brewery and it's, it's going great. And, um, I honestly like could pinch myself sometimes about how I really feel like I got to, I got to, I've, I've really gotten a chance to have the best of every world where I get to, I get to have a job that I really, really love and be surrounded with people. I really, really appreciate and respect. And then also, um, I don't want for anything financially. And I think usually, if you have like the best job ever and you just love it and you're not stressed out and you're doing a good job and you're going to work cause you like to, and you have all the free time you want and, and can do the things you need and the freedom to like, you know, I'm going to go to Miami three times this winter because I want to, and the weather will be good for me. You know what I mean? I can do things like that. Um, I don't think a lot of people get to experience that, you know, and if you get to do all the fun stuff and have like, the great life i think a lot of people they, they have to they have to make financial sacrifices for that i'm just like so lucky that i managed to cram a lifetime's worth of work into the last 15 years and <laughs> like it spit out the other side with this sort of like ultimately i and i don't i don't know i don't know how this comes off like if it's weird like i'm bragging or something like that i don't I don't mean to do that but i'm just really really stoked that that i managed to do what I felt like I had to do as a, as a husband and a father and a business person. And now I get this sort of like next opportunity to really be able to plug in while my kids are still young and be able to experience all of that. And it's also given me a ton of, um, my own time. So I built a warehouse, uh, that's about a half mile from my house and I got a little skate park in there and, um, I just skate every day, man. I just, <laughs> I just slang beer and skate with my, hang with my kids and go skating all the time. And it's, That's it's so uh, sick, man. I don't, I don't think you come off as like bragging. I think you worked hard for everything you have and like, we should root for people, you know, like if one of us got it, we all got it. So it's like, fuck yeah, that's the dream dude is to be able to do that. You know, like I said, man, it would have been really easy for you to not take on the responsibility of 
taking over the business and figuring it out and doing all the fucking math and I'm sure all the accounting and shit and dealing with all the people and all that stuff, you could have easily just been like, this is too much for me, you know? There's been plenty of people that have done that. So the fact that yeah. you did that, you, reward, you get the rewards, awesome. Yeah, I think maybe um, a little, you know, I'm, I'm all excited right now and I'm just like so thankful for my life and just like, so happy and i think a lot of that is a, sort of like a reflection of how difficult the previous 15 years was for me you know what i mean yeah. and it's more like, wow i thought i was just kind of like locked into that forever and and don't get me wrong i mean that was that was of my own making you know what i mean i i i reached sort of like my pinnacle of the pinnacle of my ability in that business and i think <laughs> I mean, business-wise, I think it's a good, I think it's a, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back. A good business person recognizes when they've reached their own limit, when they've brought a company as far as they can bring it and knows that it's time for somebody else to take it to the next level. You know, I, I think when you, you know, if you start a company and you have this idea of where it can go, and I think most people, the majority of people in business, they get to that point and they kind of like look around and they made it, you know what I mean? And I think it's a very, very rare person who can get to the pinnacle of where they thought they could take a company and then start over and go, actually, there's a new horizon. There's a new goal. There's a new place I, I'd like to go. I think most people kind of chill. And I think you see these companies that like used to be cool and now the signs kind of faded and they used to have five trucks and now three of them are rusting out back. You know what I mean? And that's not a reflection on that, 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 the viability of the company. It's, it's it's the trajectory of a business person's career, you know? And I think if you're going to build a real company that's going to actually matter, then you need to figure out the way for that company to go beyond your own, your your own, you know, my trajectory needs to go like this. And when I'm here, somebody else needs to come, come along and take it from there. You know what I mean? And I think that if I've done, if I did anything right ever in business was get the fuck out of there before I, before I messed it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Being, I just got their financials, their year-to-date financials today, and I looked at them. And I'm like, these guys are doing better than I did. You know, yeah. they, you know, like they're already doing better. You know what I mean? And I, and and whatever I can say, it's because they're smarter or better or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like it's new leadership. They're working hard. They've got debt. They're nervous. They're scared. They're plugged in. They're dialed. They want to make it all happen. You know. And I was coasting a little bit. You know, and. Um, so I think I think if if they do a great job, if they're smart, they'll they'll take it as far as they think they can take it, and they'll be smart enough to hand it off to somebody else who can also, you know, make money doing it and bring it even further. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, this that's where I'm at. I I 15 years of construction. The last time we talked, I was in this sort of like death spiral of of stress and and uh, growing a company. And I'm, I'm very, very blessed and happy with how that all went and where I got with it. Um, and now you've sort of, I've sort of like been spit out the other end and sort of like the best days of my life right now at, at 44 years old. I'm skating all the time. What's um, in the, what's in the warehouse? What do you got to skate in there? So I was struggling a little bit because when we first built it, it was just so good to have smooth ground, you know? And yes. so I, that moment when we built the warehouse, I, I knew I was selling the company. It wasn't public yet, um, but I, I, 
I felt like I needed to make sure with a little bit of nervousness, right? Like my whole life revolved around this company, you know, like I don't, I I've probably been over that enough already, but like long story short, I had never imagined a life where I was not chained to that desk. You know what I mean? And realizing I wasn't chained to that desk anymore, like was partially like, you know, I remember like laying in bed with my wife being like, can you imagine what it would be like if I didn't have to do this tomorrow? Can you imagine it would be insane. You know what I mean? And then um, when that looked like it was going to become a reality, I was like, well, well, no longer am I shocked and excited. I'm now like nervous. Like, what am I going to do? You know? Yeah, because, because it's crazy because it's like once you're out of that um, servitude or that slavery or that bondage, it's like you're free, but you're just free out in the middle of the desert. And you're like, where do I go? <laughs> right. Uh, well-paid slave or not, that may that work. That works. But your um, slave, you're so, like like you said, it wasn't exactly where you wanted to be. Yeah, <laughs> or you weren't. Yeah. And I started thinking about you know you know I'm like I still got one left in me. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not done. I, I feel like I've learned so much about running companies and about all types of things. You know. And I thought about you know skate park construction because you know I've been living in this construction world and I I skateboarding you know and i and i thought about maybe trying to get a job at one of like the the more like legitimate skate brands you know like one of the bigger you know maybe a, i don't know i didn't think about sales but you know i've been skateboarding for 35 years it's like in my blood and i also know how to run a company like what could i do with these companies maybe that, that i you know have always liked that maybe could use somebody that has my skill set you know and i thought about um I thought it'd be fun maybe for a minute to, to, and one of my original concepts for that warehouse was maybe I'd start a company that started companies, you know, and kind of do a thing where, you know, we had some success. We've done a couple of different little things, like whether it's starting a restaurant and getting it up and running and then selling it or, or a beverage brand or, or something like that. We've been really lucky to kind of like, I've done a good job in my life kind of collecting these people that are super talented you know, and kind of just go, okay, well, you're good at this and you do that and I'll do this. And, and my sort of like trying to just kind of pull them in has, has worked for me and all the businesses we've done. And I was like, man, we could just do that. That's what I like to do. I like to kind of ramp stuff up, you know, I'm not much for running them long-term, you know what I mean? But I like to, I like the idea of starting stuff and we're good at it, you know? So I thought that I might do that. And then at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I've already got this company, this this brewery that I, I do with like four of like the really best people I've ever met in my life. And they're talented, they're smart, they're hard, and they're putting their life into it. You know what I mean? They're all they're all there grinding. You know, and it's like a side project for me. And I was like, you know what? Like, why don't we why don't we try to why don't I try to apply what I know, what I think I know to this thing because it's already got the best team possible assembled you know what i mean it's already got a great brand it's already got talented people and what's the worst thing that could happen you know what i mean and we just run it the same and i pull a salary or maybe we can blow it up and do something really special with it you know and um so that's what i decided to do and and at that point the kind of you know the construction documents were done and the and the ground was broken on the warehouse so so we we were building this warehouse and, and I put my, I built a little office in there for myself and I wasn't sure if I was going to, I'm in my office at my house now, but um, I wasn't sure if I was going to set up an office there or what I was going to do. And, um, 
obviously it didn't take long for me to order some ramps from like Keen or one of those like places, you know, you got this flat ground spot and um, I don't know if you know Zach Lyons. Do you know who Zach is? Hell yeah. Ripper. Yeah. He's from Maine originally and he's like known for his skating that he did well, mostly while he was in DC and stuff, but he had moved home. And so like one of my best friends and like favorite people to skate with. And he's got, he's got the craziest style too. And the best way, such a good style. He's so sick. Yeah. Uh, I'm surrounded, Anthony, by some of the most insanely talented skateboarders right now. It's, it's so cool, but, uh, I'm so lucky, but, uh, yeah, so Zach was around and, and so basically like me and Zach just messing around in that warehouse and put some ramps in it, some like boxes and then I got a flat bar and then, you know, you start collecting, you know, people start coming, they start bringing stuff. And then, um, I just a couple of weeks ago hired, um, Dougie death, you know, Dougie. Yeah. Yeah. Doug. So Doug came up and, and we built a, a mini ramp. Uh, Jamie Thomas was kind enough to trace the transition from the ramp that he has at zero. Uh, shout out Jamie. Like I've met him a few times, but I don't know him that well, but like not only to answer my DM, but to like trace a transition and FedEx me a, um, a, a paper tracing of it was really cool. And then me and Doug, we like really went in went in and like kind of worked on the transition and then, compared the two and i think we got a cool little ramp so we got a little 16 foot wide three foot tall mini ramp in there and um it's got like a 22 foot section of coping or 28 foot section of coping that so it goes like 16 foot of mini ramp and then it goes just a quarter pipe so you can like grind in from like the street area and or or out and then i just have a little i've got a little bank ramp that i just built it's just eight feet wide and three feet tall and then I got a little bank to curb that I skate a bunch. And then um, we're going to actually pour a concrete curb in there. Ooh. Uh, Chris Hogan, who uh, recently worked for Dreamland and recently moved to Maine to start something called Nor'easter Skate Parks. Um, so he's got a little form and we're going to like pour a concrete curb in there. We've got a little metal one right now that we're going to take apart and then so yeah, it's a little bit of a work in progress, but so far what I've done is I, you know, I have more time now than I ever had. I still get up at five in the morning. So, I, you know, I get up, I do my thing. I bring the kids to the school. I go to the gym and then I go to the warehouse days. And if I'm sore, I'm building something. And if I'm not sore I'm, or people are around, I'm skating. And so far I just kind of like built something when what's in there has gotten boring. Or when it's been obvious what the next step is. And when you think about skate parks, you know, you always go to a skate park and you're like, eh, I wish this was like that or that was like this. But, um, you know, I'm lucky that I can just kind of do it as I want to do it rather than, you know, I don't have to like have a business plan or whatever, or like charge people to skate. I just kind of build what I want to skate, you know? Yeah, that seems like an awesome setup. And that seems like the best way to do it is <laughs> just kind of go with the flow as you feel. That's awesome. Well, I, those are the best. A good homie or two and a flat bar and a bunch of like smooth flat ground. What else do you really need? <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. beyond that feels like bonus, you know, and it's been yeah. awesome because, because the bummer about moving to Maine in 2008 was really like getting a squad, you know, to, people to skate with. And I kind of gave up on it in a lot of ways. And, and because I have this, I'm, you know, I'm a lot more popular than I was before, you know? So <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> You're the guy with the indoor spot. <laughs> exactly so there's no shortage of people to skate with you know and and 
that's for me. And I, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, as, as many hours as I've done skateboarding solo, having a little through, it just makes all the difference, you know? Totally, man. I, uh, I live near the edge in North Skate Park, so I got I go there, and there's just always people there, and it's cool. And it's big enough that if I want to skate by myself, I can, but a lot of the times I just go there for the people, you know? And then I end up yeah. having fun on my board. Well, and I think it adds a different element. You know, you get somebody with a different skill set, and you try different tricks because, you know, they've got theirs and you've got yours. And I'm a big, like, fan of playing a game of skate with, you know, anybody – just because it, it kind of, at this age, it, it sort of like pushes me outside of my comfort zone a little bit. You know, I think when, I think while, I don't know if you've experienced this, maybe you're, maybe you're enough in, there's enough people around you that you're not like this, but you know, when you skate by yourself or, or with like people that are like newer at skating for a long time, you tend to like fall into like a routine and, you know, push yourself outside of your comfort zone very often. But like, so for me having, you know, obviously when you're around people that are better than you at skating, that pushes you. But even just people that are better at certain things from you is really, really fun. You know, so if you can play a game of skate on the curb or on the ledge or something like that, maybe I haven't tried a frontside nose slide in a long time, but this guy just did a good one. So then I do too, you know, so it's cool. It's a new, it's, I, and I've got a new, sort of like appreciation for skating and this new kind of like it doesn't feel like i have to continually get worse at it just because i'm getting older it feels like i can actually get better which yeah. is cool that is a good feeling because it i i know that feeling where you're like oh it's just downhill there's a lot of people out there that feel that way down downhill from here and i don't feel like yeah. it has to be you just have to adjust your expectations a little bit and find the light <laughs> yeah well, and I think, I, you know, I've been through a lot of different iterations of life, you know, different focuses and things. And I just keep, I can't help it, man. I just keep coming back to skateboarding. You know, I just, it's not like I've ever tried to quit or something, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, I guess I could buy a boat or like a snowmobile or like we could do skiing or what, you know any number of things you could choose to to spend your time doing but at the end of the day like when i wake up in the morning that the, the thing that i want to do if i have nothing to do is i want to go skateboarding so i'm not going to fight that you know i'm just going to do it and if that means i'm you know 60 years old and that's a kick turn or a board slide then that's what it's going to be but as long as i want to do it i'm just going to keep doing it hell yeah dude that's fucking perfect um yeah, so here's where I've been at with skateboarding. So I've been building the skateboard brand, working on that, which has been awesome. Uh, but a lot of time in a warehouse, just kind of pressing graphics and like doing all the shipping things out, getting it all together, building the skate team. I went through like my first generation of skate team and they're all older now. Like my Billy, who I knew since he was a little kid, he's bought a house now and he's a licensed electrician, multiple pro models, many video parts, Goonin another one from the first generation of all i need he got married he just had a kid too and he lives like not even 10 minutes from here so we're having kids at the same time basically he's he's a little bit ahead of me but um but yeah so my first team is like all grown up so now i just kind of started uh growing the next crop 
so I have the I had did a bunch of skateboard lessons and actually some of my younger dudes like my friend Jacob he skates for us and he started teaching skateboard lessons so we ended up getting all these little talented kids so now we have like a flow team that's getting better and better so we're on our second team and that's been awesome and then um but now we're working on another full-length video and I've always been like video parts have been my whole life because that's been my bread and butter like how anyone ever sponsored me and paid me to skateboard was because I was good at street skating and I would film video parts endless amount of footage you know um so letting go of that like I had a couple years there where I'm just like in a warehouse pressing all these graphics doing all the work getting it all done and then I'm just like crying inside because I'm like I'm never gonna put out another video part like everything that made me who I am is gone but um Yeah, but I don't know. Now there's like a bunch of kids that I skate with that are getting old enough to like know how to f- learn how to film a video part. So like, all right, I'm getting a little bit more sparked again to get out there just to show them like, hey, this is what it takes like to get a clip, you know? And say it again. And how to do it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they, they don't know. Doesn't mean you know how to film a video part. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they just need to see someone battle a trick and get it. So they'll go, oh, that's what it takes to get like a clip that you're really proud of. Because when you skate skate parks all the time and you've never been out in the streets, you don't realize it's going to be way harder to get those yeah. clips, you know? <laughs> and that's a generation of kids. Yeah, so we've been working on that. So net, our work, we're going to drop a full-length video next year, summertime. And um I'll actually have some clips because I've managed to like get my, you know, when you're like trying to get in shape again to, to get a video part going. Yeah. I'm 40. I turned 40 in November. So yeah. So just getting a clip was like so hard again. I never thought it would be that hard. I've always been really good at getting clips and lines and starting video parts, but this time. Yeah. This time was really hard to get that momentum. Cause you know, like after you get one clip, two, three, you start to get like a line, then you start to be like, Oh, I got like 30 seconds. You start to, it gets easier because you get a little bit of weight behind you and you can start to see it form. Uh, when get, you get to you start being like, okay, I'm missing this. Yeah, exactly. But getting to that point is so hard. Like uh, nowadays, getting to that point of having some bad, having something in the, in the bag in the chamber and be like, yeah, I feel confident. That was so yeah. much harder than I ever expected. Cause that's never been a problem for me. I usually was the dude who could go and just ride. I'd have like a part done before everyone. Cause I was over ambitious, you know? <laughs> right. So yeah. Well, you're, dating, you're the type of guy who can get a clip at every spot. Yeah, I, I could. <laughs> I, I, at one point or another, now I have to be so selective. Cause like my injuries, I can feel them 10 times more and I can't get broke off. Like I used to, you know, you gotta be careful. Mm-hmm. It's more like a mind game now. Just crazy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So I've been trying to do that, just like get back out in the streets. I've been filming a lot because, uh, they, they, you know, you need a filmer and there's, it's hard to get a filmer. So I'm the filmer at times. And then the other times my friend will film. And uh, it's been going awesome, dude. It's been cool watching these kids learn how to film a video part. Like, it's really like, I feel like I'm doing it just from watching them, you know? It's insane. Yeah, that's. Yeah, so we've just been doing that, man. New graphics, new skateboards, um, traveling a bunch. The brand's doing good, like, which is a dream. So two, There's two things that makes me think about. The first one is, how you're 40, so I'm a little older than you, but, like, how many generations of skaters do you think you have, like, skated with? 
Uh, like so for me, because you're like good for an old guy now, right? Yeah. But, but there was a period of time when you were like good for a pro. And there's a time before that where you're like good for an AM. Time before that, that you were like good for a flow guy. And then you're like good for like a teenager. And then you're like, but there's also a period that you know, like you were good for like a kid, you know? So there's, you know, I mean, what is it? What is it, 30 years? Uh, 27, 28. Yeah. So 27 years, how many fucking kids have you seen come and go? Dude, so many. Because I've lived near ind indoor parks, like, and I just meet so many skaters, and they come and go. Like, and then, like, I had sponsors, and people, you know, you were sponsored, and people know you, and you meet all these people, and it's like, people tell you even years down the road, like, I met you, or I remember you from this and that, and it's like, so many souls. It's hard to keep track of, man. Like... It it trips me out skating with Brandon because he, I remember the first time I saw him skate was like a five borough thing. You, you guys came to a skate park in Connecticut called Hardware City Sports. Yes, I remember. I think it was probably like 2001. So that was like 22 years ago. Wow. He's, he's 34. No, that's crazy. So, it's crazy when you say been, Brandon's that old. <laughs> he would have, yeah, right. But he would have been like twelve, right? I mean, yeah, 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 totally. He started and his board was like uh, as tall as he was. Yeah, and I can totally remember him as like your shadow, kind of like he. It was like I just like knew like oh yeah, that's like Anthony's like little protege kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, I grew yeah. up with him in Wareham, and he was just like we. He was my best friend for sure. Right. So interesting. He's now like a veteran pro, dude. One of the greatest so, skateboarders. Like who you knew, like when he couldn't do a kickflip, and now he's like, I'm not gonna. I don't want to say he's one of the old guys because he's on top of his game, 100. percent But like, he's kind of been the man for like more than a decade now. Like he, he's careers have come and gone in the period of time that he's been there. You know. He's definitely like the veteran though. I agree with that because it's hard for me to swallow that and understand that. Cause like Brandon to me is He's a little kid too. Yeah. But like watching him, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a whole crop of like gnarly ass amateurs and pros right now that watched him and look up to him. And he is the veteran. He's the old guy. <laughs> yeah. He, he well, makes Mason Silva skater of the year. was like they did real does their like favorite skater boards and Mason Silva did him. So like skater of the year's favorite skater. Damn right. Yeah. Brandon's a goat in my eyes. No one's better. That's it. He's always been like that. I don't want to like kiss too much butt or anything like that, but honestly, of all the people I've ever skated with, I can honestly say I think he's like by far the most talented person. Like I've I've never seen somebody who can just like learn a trick in like one try or two tries and i see him do that a lot imagine imagine being me dude where i'm older than him and he's <laughs> doing that shit i'm like you motherfucker <laughs> yeah well good motivation right i mean it's good motivation for me like obviously i'm like an old guy like not anywhere near any like level of sponsored or anything and haven't been for decades you know and he's like top pro you know but like i skate with that kid and i still see him like as kind of a kid you know what i mean so like 
when he's ripping, I feel like I got to step my game up a little bit. You know what I mean? It's tough for me to, it's tough for me to like, you know, jump off a trick when he's like doing everything first try. It's a great feel. It's a great, I mean, they say the, the, the biggest predictor of success is being around successful people, you know? So like when you've got somebody who just like can do every single thing super easily, you know, you either sit down and go or go home or you step your own game up, you know? So it's been really fun having him. And he's such a good kid, you know? He's such like a like normal, easy person to hang with, you know? That's one of the things that's like the best things about Brandon that I don't know if people, I mean, I know people in the industry understand this because they met him, but like if you've never met Brandon, he's like one of the most down to earth, like just humble, cool ass, hard hardworking human out there. And he has a, an amazing sense of humor too. <laughs> which is so cool and he never bought into the hype of skateboarding you know like he almost seems unaware of it it's funny because you know people around here you know he's he's just a dude right and he walks in to my park or whatever and always walks over to whoever he doesn't know and introduces himself because that's how he is you know and you know kids will be stammering like not even like handshaking like you know what i mean because he's such a big deal right but he doesn't see himself that way. And it's, it's cool to see uh, somebody that skates at that level, just be completely kind of like unaware of it or, or maybe not unaware, but unbothered, you know? And I've always found that the best people, like the best of the best, um, never are always like that, you know? Yeah. I think his dad, his dad really helped keep him grounded. His dad's like a hardworking blue collar dude. So like Brandon loves that type of human. So he emulates that. You know, even if he's like, he's a king, you know, on a skateboard, and, yeah. which I love about him. You know, it's funny. I, I, I grew the way I grew up, I, you know, I, in my family, the, the value that you brought was, was reflected by how hard you worked, not by the, not by the fruits of that labor or by the outcomes of it. And I think that really set me up for success in a lot of ways. So that's what, one of the reasons I like push my kids, like, it's, it's hard work. You know, I tell them I'm proud of them. And I said, you know, why I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you because you work hard, you know, try to instill that in them because, because when you're, when you're praised for accomplishments, you have this tendency of accomplishing something and then stopping and be like, right. Big deal. Right. Where's my high fives or my accolades or whatever, you know, where if you're, where if you're deriving value from the work itself, you don't ever stop. You know, you just, yeah. you you, you keep going because it's not, it's not about that accomplishment or whatever it might be. You know, I see that in that kid. I see that in Brandon. He's, he's, he's a hard worker. It's cool. It's cool yeah. to see him. I agree with that too, man. Like I, I, I look at that with my, with all I need in world industries and stuff is like, I enjoy the work and I work really hard because I enjoy it. It's very rewarding, you know, and I don't ever want to stop because of that. Like even, and I have, a, I have the fault where like, sometimes I need to stop and look at what we've ac actually accomplished and take it in and be like, Oh shit. Like I have 5,000 skateboards right here on top of me. Like we got to the point where we could afford all this, you know? And I'm like, mm. I'm always just like, Oh fuck. I got to keep working, you know, but like, but I enjoy the work so much that it's easy to just get caught up in it for days and hours and weeks, you know, like, um, but I do, I try to stop once in a while and just smell the roses and be like, yeah, this feels good. But that's not what drives me. It's not like the, yeah. it's not what you get from it. It's the actual process. Just like skating. I think skating teaches us that. It's like, 
you enjoy well, the that's process. Why that's why you keep going with all of it, you know? Yeah. Because your value comes from the, from the work, not from the results. And obviously, like, you see the results and you appreciate the results, and that's a thing. But, but I also think, you know, when you're, when, you're value, when you're valuing hard work, you kind of, like, you look at the success not as, like, you won the lottery or something cool happened to you, but sort of as, like, yeah, that was kind of supposed to happen. Like, not in a, you know, how many, like, amazing, amazing skaters have you seen, like, just do the most insane thing, and they're riding away from it completely unbothered. While everyone is freaking out about the amazing thing that just happened. Well, they're unbothered because they did all the work to get to that moment. It wasn't a miracle. You know, somebody didn't just like grant them that trick. You know what I mean? They worked for it, you know? So I think it's easier sometimes for other people to celebrate your accomplishments, which, which is cool, you know, but, but, you know, real success is how you like, you do a good job and you, maybe you stop and go like, yeah, that was cool. And, but you, but it's keeping going, you know? Yeah, I, I've been like that my whole life. I've always been like, I never wanted to escape work. I just wanted to work on things I gave a shit about with people I care about, you know? Like, mm. and I know that feeling of being stuck in a job where you're like, fuck, I don't want to be doing this. And I don't care how much money I, I have. I just, it's just like eating my soul compared to, you know, when you're working on something that you're really invested in and give a shit about. It's, it's, um, it means so much more. It's like, that's what I strive for. I want to work on things. I, I'm like, I feel like I'm like you in a sense is like, I want to work on things with people I care about. That's like the main goal, you know, not escaping work necessarily, maybe for a little bit, take a break. (laughs) Not forever. It's a little bit of like a crooked and I think it, maybe it's like social media driven or whatever, but there's a little bit of that value of like, how do you jump to the end? You know, how do you, how do you get to the success without, I don't know. And I feel like that's, it's a big piece of like, you know, the social, you know, people want to be influencers or whatever, you know, and and I think a lot of that comes down to um, trying to get to the end without going through the process. But I think we all, I think, I think that if you look at not just people who are successful on the internet, but people who are successful in real life, I think you'll, I think you'd find the commonality of, of valuing the work. Yeah. Certain people that get lucky. Right. But totally. I, I, even, even somebody like a Steve jobs or something like that, you know, like he could have stopped and done nothing, but he kept, he kept working. So what, what did he value? You know, it wasn't the results. He already did it. It's the most powerful company in the world. Right. Yeah. He kept you know what I mean? And I think if you look at a lot of those guys, you, you, you see that, there's a drive there that's not results based. Yeah. Things are nice, but that's not that's not the end all be all. <laughs> for sure. Oh. Oh. That's cool. So seems like you're doing well, dude. And I'm hyped I'm hyped that we did this again. I was like really looking forward to talking to you and not even realizing we had done the podcast before. Which is so funny. <laughs> it is fun. What what made you what made you think of me? I think I just saw footage of you multiple times and I was just like really stoked that you're still skating. And I, I looked up to you growing up cause I was from New Hampshire and then Massachusetts skating and you were from this area, new, you know, East coast. And I just, me and my, one of my best friends, Dale Raymond from New Hampshire. Um, someone I look up to is very successful and, uh, he's like, you're one of his like favorite skaters for sure. So I don't know. I just like, always i don't know i just kept seeing you pop up again and i was like i need to talk to someone that uh 
I think I could just have a good conversation with, you know, like I didn't feel like it would be, it just depends on my mood, like who I want to talk to. Cause I do this podcast out of love, you know, like I don't, yeah. do, I don't do it for a job or anything. I literally do this when I want to do it and interview people or talk to people who I want to, you know, like it's, it's just for that purpose alone. So with you, I was like, ah, this is like, I felt like it'd be a fun one. And the fact that I saw you hanging out with Westgate too, I was like, ah, that's awesome. Brandon's one of my favorite humans and sick Toby gets to skate with him. You guys are so lucky. Maine's so lucky they got him. I'm pissed about that. I'm happy <laughs> for you guys, but I'm pissed we don't have him anymore. Well, and I, I've sort of, I've sort of fallen into this routine, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working for the brewery and I'm taking that seriously and I'm really enjoying the work. Right. But it's not like you're going to go to a bar at nine o'clock in the morning to sell beer, you know, and what I'm doing is not direct sales like that anyway, but, but long story short, like I have free time during the day and I, what I need is like a buddy to skate with Monday through Friday from like 10 in the morning till two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, not people with a schedule like that, <laughs> and I, and it's kind of cool to run into to Brandon and and meet him and and uh, you know he's he's like become part of the crew of people that that you know I got a buddy who's a roofer that that you know if it's raining he's available and he comes and skates you know but man what a lucky little break that one of the dudes that's available a couple of days a week to come skate my little warehouse or go somewhere and do something just happens to be like great dude crazy here you know yeah so, dude i i like super lucky too. he was always my like ride or die homie growing up like when we were younger it was like he was my dude to skate with all the time and then as we were older and already did all the sponsor stuff we he like would just come to edge all the time and i would film him a lot and skate with him but mostly film him so i it was like we we're always calling like my we're burt and ernie you know like because he, he just loves skating the same like regardless of anything he just wants that session and he's so fun to skate with and i'm super jealous he we just drove up to maine and, and skated with him at um uh what is it is it the portland park yeah we yeah, they, yeah. they did the extension there they added on and stuff yeah so that's actually how i connected with him oh right at that park that day you guys were up there some of my like crew that i skate with a lot happened to be there that day Oh, sick. That's I can't remember exactly how it happened because I texted uh, Donnie Barley and I'm like, hey, I heard a rumor that Westgate lives in Maine. He's like, yeah, he did. And he gave me his number and I texted him and he never responded. You know, probably just like random message from random dude. You know what I mean? And I was like, all right, whatever. And then he ran into those guys and, and I can't remember if he texted me back or I, I can't remember how we connected, but... Um, it was it was because you guys were there that day and ran into like some guys that I skate with all the time. I feel like I met someone right when I was leaving the park. Uh, I think they said that they mentioned you. I believe if I remember, and I was like, oh yeah, this is so cool, man. It's a fun little park, huh? I love that park, it, especially with the with everything they built onto it now. Now the second phase, it like flows so much more too. It's like even better and like. Right around the corner is that little bank thing that all my like little Grom kids got to learn to drop in on and like bomb yeah. down. You know, they're like so stoked on it. We're past thing. Yeah, it's just like a street spot that they can fuck around on. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So you brought a little crew with you? Yeah, I brought like six or seven young bucks. And I, 
that trip, I think we stayed at my Nana's house because my Nana has a house up in Ripley, Maine, which is uh, near Dexter, way up there. And um, I brought him up there and we did Dexter. the, yeah, Dexter. It's way up there. That's that's the big town next to Ripley where she has a, she's had a farmhouse pretty much my whole life. And we went up there and we did um, the hot dog festi- festival. They had a couple skate uh, ramps in a parking lot. And I was like, all right, I'll bring my Groms up. We'll crash at my nana's because upstairs of the farmhouse there's like there's like three rooms that are all open with a bunch of beds so like that's where all me and my cousins and siblings used to sleep and like get into fights and stuff and have fun and uh there's a river that runs through her backyard so like i brought my little flow team and they got to do the same thing and we did the hot dog festival skate jam and then south portland or portland park with westgate which was cool well, you, drove, you drove you drove right by me did i sick yeah yeah, that's Dexter. I just Googled it. It's an hour north of me. So you drove like right by. You guys, you got to, if you, if you head this way again, you got to stop into the brewery and let me buy your crew some pizza and come skate my little park and stuff. Dude, we would love to. And we plan, we plan on co- going back up there too, uh, probably next spring once it's nice. But uh, we're definitely going to go up that way again. So I'll, I'll be hitting you up for sure. Yeah, man's doing good, man. We've got, um, the Maine Skateboard Association, which which was started by this guy Josh Bankhead, who does a company called Dirt Skateboards, with this guy Scott, who used to um, do a skate shop in Lewiston. So like skaters for their whole lives, you know. Um, and they started the Maine Skateboard Association, and I got I got involved in that. And we've been we've been working hard at at advocacy and helping with design, and also we're doing like five or six events a year. Where we're doing the contests. Um, and it feels like, like there's a lot of momentum in the main skateboarding scene. There's two shops in Portland, one in Portland, one in South Portland, a shop called motion. I don't really like know those guys that well, but um, this other dude, Joe, who's like super cool guy opened a shop in, in South Portland called Sal's. And yeah. that seems to be really well. And he's just like, super down to for events and the scene and um has like really good energy and um so in between the shop and the main skateboard association and we've been doing stuff where um we've started doing these beers where other, my friends that i have that own breweries ones that have like connections to skateboarding are doing taking classic skateboard graphics and putting them on cans and releasing like a beer to benefit the main skateboard association sick so that's kind of cool we just like the second kushnock my brewery did the first one and then mass landing just did one and uh, we have two more breweries like lined up to well three more breweries lined up to do to do one and um so it just feels like we have like a lot of momentum in the scene right now and it's it's um it's really fun we're opening at least one park a year the the msa is is able to be pretty hands-on on a lot of them design wise um one thing that's exciting about that is I find that with, with skate park construction, you know, you've got somebody that does the design and then you get the people that build the, build the parks. And um, sometimes there's things that because of the way the site is, the elevations, whatever they run into drainage, uh, what's drawn isn't really going to work perfectly. And they, as skaters get put in this really awkward situation where they either have to build something that, that they know isn't going to work or they need to like violate their contract because their customer 
is a city and the, there's no one that the city that skates or really like knows what to do. They don't know the answer to the question. So one of the things that the Maine Skateboard Association has been able to do, and we have, have had success in, in the first two parks that we've done and um, more on the way, uh, is that we perform the services of, a, of what's called an owner's rep. So we essentially, on a volunteer basis, work for the city, and we are the go-between between the city and the, and the general contractor, the, the skate park builder. So when skate park builder goes, hey, this ledge is drawn at 12 inches, but we really need to tighten this bank up, which is going to make it steeper. And so we really feel like 14 inches would be like a better, you know, ledge. Um, you can't have that conversation with a city planner, but you can have that conversation with me, you know, and our job is essentially to represent the city and make sure the city's getting the best outcome and getting like what they paid for. But these guys aren't cutting a corner, right? Yeah. Uh, so the selling point for the city is what they get is accountability, right? They get to make sure that there's somebody there that knows about skateboarding and knows about skate park construction that's keeping an eye on their on their subcontract, on their general contractor. What the skate park builder gets is sort of like the flexibility to do what they really need to do to have the best outcome of the best park. And so that's there's sort of like a miss, there's like a gap there. And a lot of these guys that build skate parks, they're not they don't have a lot of experience in construction necessarily other than skate parks. And they don't have a lot of experience working with, you know, municipalities. What they're good at is building skate parks. So we get to kind of come in and what we've typically done is we either pay for the, the, the design of the skate park, or we've, we've, we've raised $30,000 uh, for two, the, the last two skate parks built in Maine, we, we donated 30,000. We raised and donated $30,000 for each one, sort of like buying our seat at the table. Um, and I think if you look at those parks, especially, you know, the budget and the, and the, the location and things like that, it's, it's, I think it's the best bang for the buck because of that situation, you know? So that's been sort of like another thing that we've been working on that I've really been enjoying being a part of is, you know, helping get these skate parks built. You know, you've been to these parks so many times where you go and you're like, oh, this place is sick, but what, why did they do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And totally. a lot of the, the guy who's building it is saying the same thing. I can't believe we're going to do this dumb thing. You know, I, I was talking to Doug when he was up building my ramp, and he's like, yeah, I was talking to these guys building the park. They're like, yeah, we're building a skate park. It sucks. And it's like, that's not good for anyone, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's systematic, right? And the, and at least in Maine, we're we're able to, you know, through the, the various different, you know, uh, experiences we've got on, as as board members, we're able to kind of like step in and, and help in those situations, at least where towns and skate park companies are, are receptive to the idea. And so far that's been awesome. So I feel really, really happy um, to be back in Maine at, in, in what I feel like is a real like golden era of skating. And I also felt like five years ago, four years ago, I was like, man, it kind of, it's such a bummer that I suck at skating now that it's like, there's so much to skate up here, but I'm now, I'm experiencing this like thing where I actually feel like I can skate again, you know, like it's been a while since I grabbed my board, but I think the likelihood of me like relearning frontside airs is probably pretty good, you know, Fuck yeah. good, you know? Yeah. That's so. awesome. That's so cool, man. We definitely need that. And, uh, one thing I realized was like, um, when I went to Maine, did the hot dog festival, I saw a lot of the kids there and they weren't even, they didn't skate but they definitely had plenty of time to get into trouble and drugs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was like, 
they need skateboarding. Like the idea that we're doing a hot dog festival and it's only a couple of ramps, but my little groms came and showed them that these little kids could get down and do tricks. And then they were hanging out with them and talking and like they made friends and like, yeah, we'll come back again next year and do this. I could already see. I'm like, yeah, dude, they need these skate parks. Kids need this stuff, especially when the world's going crazy, even if it is really going crazy or not, which, you know, it's like social media and all the craziness in the world will lead everyone to be depressed if you pay too much attention. And it's on all of our phones and these kids have access to everything. And it's like they need to engage their body and be in the moment of doing something besides just on the phones, you know. So like having skate parks, especially in Maine and these little remote areas that need it. It's like skate parks bring such a sick community, man. It's good for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, baseball baseball's not for everybody. Yeah. You know? So good on you, man. Good on you guys for uh, doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's, it. It definitely gives me energy. And, and uh, I, I really feel I've really kind of come out of this, like, last phase of my life and into this current one really – with a lot of gratitude for skating. And I, I feel like a lot of the success that I've had in business has been because of the lessons that I learned riding a skateboard, you know? And I think that if, and okay, this is maybe a little bit cheesy, but this is what I think, you know? Um, I, I think that if my life is great because of the lessons I learned skateboarding, then one of the things that would make the world a better place is for more kids to have that opportunity to learn those lessons. And, and so to me, my vehicle from a, a, just a kid to like where I am right now is, is a skateboard. Then, you know, if that's, if that's the way that, that if that's the pathway I saw that I see gave me the, the greatest success, then I'm in a really unique situation to try to make that happen for other people. And, and I, and I really, when I started like having a little bit of money and, and was able to like not worry about things like, you know, the oil bill or the mortgage or the cell phone bill or the electric bill or whatever. One of the things that really kind of stuck out to me was like, if I have spare money, if I have like money, I don't know what to do with, I want to do something with skateboarding with it, you know, whether that's, you know, and I, I like love to buy skateboard stuff. I love to like, just like order some shoes, some of Brandon's shoes, you know, he's like, Oh, I'll get you some. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But I also would like rather buy them. You know what I mean? Because I can afford shoes and like, I know how hard it is to run a skate shop. So if I can like throw some money in Orchard's pocket or Theory or, or, or Voyager or Sal's or somebody like that, then like, that's better for all of us, you know, because there's, there's, it's hard to do those things. It's hard to run a skate shop and skate shops, do so much for the skateboard scenes, you know what I mean? So I, I really want, I really want to like, if I've got time and I've got money, I really want to try to put it into something that's going to help skateboarding be better because I feel like I've gotten so much out of it, you know? Totally, man. You're so right about that. I mean, the first skateboarding, like when I found skateboarding, it was in New Hampshire, it was me and Dale and we just were skating. And then when I moved to New Bedford, I met Jay from Solstice. Solstice is still around 30 years. And, um, yeah, that a skate shop helped save my life, you know? So you're totally right. And it's a labor of love for those dudes who run those skate shops, you know? And it's like, it's huge when people actually uh, recognize that and support that because these things can go away easily, you know? And a lot of them come and go, shops, parks, brands, you know, that throw the events. Like, 
if we don't keep yeah. them going, you know? It's not all about what you can get. Sometimes it's about what you give, you know? So, yeah, I agree 100%, man. Hell yeah, Toby. I'm glad things are good, man. And uh, I'm stoked we got to catch up. And uh, I'm definitely going to come back up your way. So, And I got your number. So, <laughs> so yeah, man. <laughs> be expecting a text. <laughs> yeah, don't be a stranger. Come come take full advantage. I gotta, I've spent the last 15 years trying to get it set up. So it's ready for you guys. We got the... We got the house with the pool and the hot tub, and we got the, the skate park right down the street and the pizza restaurant with the brewery attached right there, too. You know, so it's a great place to bring the crew. Right? Dude, really... that's going to be an epic trip. We we will be doing that for sure, and I'll make sure Brandon comes, too, and uh, we'll be hanging out. Um, yeah, um, best of luck with, the son, with your son, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wilder. Say it again. Wilder. Yeah, Wilder Shetler. Um, yeah, my la my lady picked the name, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, I'm down." I don't know if we're setting ourselves up for trouble with that name, <laughs> but I'm up for the challenge for sure, dude. And I really appreciate all the kind words uh, and advice, and just like everything you shared about that, because I take that in, and it really uh, it's gonna help me out, because uh, I definitely need a lot of love and support, because just I know how life is, man, and it's cool to have people that care and it's cool that I got to talk to you too and that you've already been through it and that you're, you're taking on the responsibility and you're thriving with it, man. So that inspires me too. So thanks Toby. Well, it's a hell of an adventure, man. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you're about to go through it. It's going to be awesome. Hell yeah.